the first two installments of this seven-part series on epilepsy has seen us get into conversations that have opened us up to the role religion and culture play in matters of epilepsy. We started with Bright from Zambia who shared with us about a time when he had a seizure was slowly trying to get his rhythm only to wake up and find all these people trying to do an exorcism on him. We also spoke to Kenyan-based Fred who shared with us about his past series of seizures. At that time he was working as a pastry chef in the Middle East and how people from back home were trying to give him possible reasons or possible root causes of his seizures and how some of those uh, reasons or explanations he was getting was superstitious, was superstitious in nature. Both guests also talked to us about some of the things that they're doing to ensure the communities they come from have proper epilepsy information and also how they're trying to create safe spaces for people living with epilepsy. Today we'll be looking at epilepsy from a slightly different angle and we'll be looking at the role race plays, if it plays any role at all, in matters of epilepsy. And we'll also be looking at a slightly different type of safe space and that's the workplace. I know for a lot of people the workplace is not necessarily a safe space, especially if you're living with epilepsy. And our guest, Dan from the UK, will be telling us how the workplace can be a safe space. He'll also be taking us through his epilepsy journey that started when he was seven years old. And I just want to point out that Dan and I discovered that we are both Arsenal supporters. And so we may or may not digress during the show and talk about Arsenal. But all in all, you will enjoy today's show. My name is Sita Wafula, I am your host, and for the seven weeks between International Epilepsy Day and Purple Day, I'm hosting conversations with different people who are living with epilepsy, and I'm specifically talking to African and Black men from across the globe living with epilepsy. This uh, series has been supported by Epilepsy Canada, which is a Canadian-based nonprofit that supports research on all matters epilepsy. I'd also like to give a shout out to Epilepsy Action, who made my meeting with um, with Dan possible. So thank you to everyone who supported the show and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to it on your favorite podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you can listen to the two shows that we've already had and also listen to the four upcoming shows. Enjoy my conversation with Dan. Thank you for joining us on the show. If you could start by telling us your name and where you're from. Hi, my name is Daniel Bedeau. I am from London in the UK. I work as a performance analysis technician where I analyze many football games and I also teach students how to become a future performance analysis in football. Okay, okay. I, I have to ask this. Manu or Arsenal? I just have to ask that. I am an Arsenal fan. 
Okay, we'll be friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. We'll get along. That's, that's one tick. <laughs> yeah, but, but I saw the thing Man City did, and um, I'm still. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk oh, about that. I was at the game. You were? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. How was that for you watching it live? Uh, Okay. <laughs> dampened, but you know it's football, so one of these things happen. So yeah. we'll, we'll hopefully we we beat them next time we go to their grounds. Okay. That's what matters now. Okay. And so to better understand what you do, so if you think about a game like that, so do you sort of predict? Is that what analysis involves? Do you predict who win or? What, what does that look like? When no, so for you? me, we don't exactly predict who wins. We look at trends of how the opposition... So if I was Arsenal and I was preparing to play Man City, mm-hmm. I'll be looking at Man City, looking at their trends, how they play. And this will get put into, implemented to the manager who then uses it to tailor his training session to prepare for the game. So we know what to look for, so the players will know what to look for, what key trends are going to happen, where the players are going to go, how they get success. And also we look at what's their weaknesses and areas where we can exploit to hopefully try and win the game. Um, it feels like every football fan is an analyst. Okay, an armchair analyst. <laughs> yeah, some, some are armchair analysts and some, you could say, are professional analysts for... Don't mean they're right or wrong, yeah. but there's different values and context to it. Okay, okay. So other than uh, the opportunity to watch live football games, what else makes where you come from one of the unique places in the world? One, probably it's a very multicultural country so you get to meet different people from different areas of the of the world because you know living in london there are so many different races of people so that's one great thing and also it's got many very iconic buildings that you can see in the background there i've got a picture yeah. of wembley stadium so yeah. there's many football stadiums mm-hmm. and many buildings like big ben bridges mm-hmm. very good architect so if you ever get to come down here it'd be nice to see the architects with nice buildings we have okay that, that's on my to-do list we, re- we need to redo this show face to face because I, I need to come see that analysis and all these amazing places <laughs> yeah, just let me know when you're in London we could organize a time together and we could meet up good so um, before we get all caught up with football and London uh, let's get back to the show um, and we're speaking about epilepsy and if you could tell us about your journey, um, anywhere you want to start, um, just share with us your epilepsy journey. I'll start from the very beginning. So I was seven years old. I could remember today my very first seizure. Mm-hmm. I, I woke up and I was feeling dizzy. So I went into the kitchen to try and get some water because I maybe thought I was dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And then... That was it, I just blacking out. And then when I remember waking up, I was in A&E, blood all gushing from my mouth, and I got, got a cut on my lip, which is still reminding me of my first seizure. Mm-hmm. I have, um, along the way, had 
I was having many multiple seizures per day. Mm-hmm. It was quite very difficult. I had um, had to sacrifice quite a lot of things. Like I was very good at football, but because I used to have a lot of seizures while playing, I had to stop playing because I was advised by the doctor at the time to stop playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, even with education, I missed a, quite a big chunks of school because mm-hmm. I couldn't go into school because of the, my seizure frequency. Mm-hmm. So there was quite a lot of challenges happening where I was had to say slow down in certain progresses in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So many sacrifices were made. And to back rolling a bit forward now to 20, 2009, mm-hmm. I had my epilepsy brain surgery where they removed part of my brain, which um, they seen was the epicenter at the time, which mm-hmm. since then have reduced my seizure frequency drastically. Mm-hmm. So I was able to now live close to a normal life. I was able to go to university, get a degree and get a have a career mm-hmm. so I'm not knowing many people epilepsy was able to have a career but I was um, able to have a career and sort of fulfill my dream and have a career in professional football mm-hmm. good so that was a big journey yeah so there long long the way there's all ups and downs mm-hmm. where probably one of the biggest challenges was the lack of education of epilepsy so mm-hmm. not even I used to understand it my parents used to understand it but as time went along, mm-hmm. knowing about myself and knowing about epilepsy, it kind of helped me to educate others about it at the same time. And I had good support from my friends, my peers to help me where I am today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thanks for sharing that. And I love that everything came full circle because you wanted to play football and somehow you still got yourself back into the space. Um, not as a player, but you still enjoy uh, being in the space. So um, I want us to go a little bit backwards. And um, when you're seven, you have your first seizure. What was the response or reaction, especially from your parents? Uh, did they know what was happening? Uh, what was that sort of response and support so at the very onset? My grandmother witnessed my first one. Mm-hmm. She didn't know. I think she panicked and she called the ambulance straight away, which is why I remember ending up in A&E that morning. And they, so they didn't really know much about epilepsy. There wasn't much education. And all I all we could remember was kept on going to different um, consultants, consult, see different um, neurology consultants. Mm-hmm. And they would just say, try this new medication, try this new medication, try this one, try that one. I'll wean you off this. So I felt like a guinea pig because all this was just a trial and error. And yeah. like, nothing else, nothing's working. You're saying, try this, try this, try that, try this, try that. So it became very frustrating for my family and myself because there was, it felt like nothing was really was improving. Mm-hmm. Or if there was a change, but it wouldn't last long. And then, Probably back to square one again, back to back to the hospital, back to scans, back to tests, back to EG, EEGs, mm-hmm. etc. etc. And, and then, thank, thank God, I got uh, transferred to another hospital, which was King's, or referred to there, and that's where I was able to get have my surgery and progress a bit more. Mm-hmm. So it was lots of ups and downs 
but it was difficult to get through. Mm-hmm. Well, we're glad you're here and that uh, you, you're able to share your journey with us on, on, on the show. Um, I also want to talk more about additional challenges. I know you talked about um, education and just how, and as you've explained, the back and forth made you miss out on school. Um, what other challenges would you say you faced along the journey, along the way? Yeah. lot of challenges I faced along the way was the uneducation, uneducated um, lack of awareness sorry, of, um, of epilepsy. So not many people understood it or, or thought about or knew about it. So mm. if I'm trying to alert someone that I'm um, having a seizure, they, would, they wouldn't help me or it wasn't like I was believed. Mm-hmm. And, also, it was, it was quite hard as well because at many times I got accused of taking drugs. I'm not, um, I'm faking it um, and stuff like that. So I had, a, there's been a few little, it was kind of hard, I can say it. Didn't want really to put it out there because of being a someone of colour mm-hmm. and where I'm from, it was quite hard as well to get the help because they always might assume that I was uh, on drugs because obviously I'm on medication, so I'm I'm always I'm always tired. So mm-hmm. I'll, like I'm drowsy, I'm mm-hmm. getting accused of or smoking too much weed or under influence of drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time I've there've been incidents where I've been told I'm faking a seizure because I am now taking drugs or I'm drunk, etc. etc. So it was hard to get across mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I have epilepsy and I'm not. Uh, and without being judged on on something, mm-hmm. something stereotyped. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That was, it was it was that was one of the biggest challenges that I had came across. Yeah, and and I think um, and thanks for sharing that. I think a lot of times when we think about challenges for a lot of people, especially uh, from for those of us who are from Africa, we only think about the lack of awareness. And then when, yeah. when you look at other aspects or okay, lack of awareness and also um, lack of medication or access to healthcare, and then when you start expanding and looking at other social aspects of us being human, we see um, things that we ne- rarely hear about or rarely talk about and you know things like our gender or things like our race or things like economic or social status and how that influence how we um, are treated. And so you just mentioning um, the, the fact that you're having a seizure or are feeling drowsy and it's been re- equated to you um, have been on drugs. That's just an injustice so to say um and and so also i don't know if you've been able to link up with other people of color living with epilepsy and and see what other issues that they go through i've um, spoken to a few and they've also had the same similar Mm -hmm. area because there's a lot of judgment judgmental people out there because what you see what doesn't help is what you what you see in the media Mm -hmm. And then how um, a lot of people portray to see, so therefore they instantly judge on one thing. They always think it's one thing, rather than there's many other different conditions in the world which can cause people to be that way, mm-hmm. which, which didn't help. And it, it sometimes became difficult 
at times to get the help I needed because of it. Because I mean, one time I I went out with my with my brother mm-hmm. and he got really upset because um, they were accusing me of being on drugs and but he was saying he's having a I'm having a seizure I'm having a seizure mm-hmm. but they wasn't believing him and then it it got to it got a bit heated. Mm-hmm. So there's been yeah it's been very difficult of the, and I'm the only one that I've spoken to with people with color who have come across through the similar situation similar situations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and thanks for sharing that and and I know for a lot of people sometimes they don't have the support the proper support that they need to be able to either advocate for themselves or have people to advocate for uh, for them and um, so as we slowly start moving into solutions or tools other than having family you mentioned your brother um, having family there to help advocate for you uh, what other tools and solutions are there that are helping you live healthy with you um, or positively with your diagnosis for me it's um exercise so looking after your one thing about me i've always believed yes you've got to look after your uh, epilepsy side take your medications mm-hmm. but also there's other things get the right sleep mm-hmm. make sure you're eating you're eating your food and not missing meals staying hydrated um for me one thing is exercise because that's very therapeutic so it keeps mm-hmm. me keeps me active it keeps mm-hmm. me calm it keeps my stress levels down for etc Mm-hmm. So, for that's that's mass for me personally. But others maybe find something that's um, that can help you relax and keep you. So that that's that's probably for me. And also as well as I said, like getting the right sleep and making sure I eat. So yeah, that's what keeps me under control. Other than just taking my medication and making sure I'm doing those things right. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing my research, I saw that you've taken uh, part in a number of um, the marathons. And so, uh, do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, so I have taken, in, so I do a lot of running for um, raise, raise awareness for charity, especially epilepsy, where I've done half marathons, 10K runs to help raise awareness and raise money for epilepsy action with one um, charity that I am closely work with. So I've always, because I love exercising and I love challenges, This is so I thought, why not um, do some running and do something that I love and help others at the same time? Because I was, I was a bit fortunate to have the support that I needed to help me get through. And there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of raising awareness. So maybe I thought I decided to do this to help raise awareness or so good funding goes into the charity who is doing great work mm-hmm. globally, locally to help support many people with the condition of epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought I'd do something to help them even more to use the funds in the best way possible to help and support people with those with epilepsy um and and when i go back to when you had your surgery 
How long did that take until you were able to go back to school and how was the process of getting back into the sort of education system? So I had my surgery in 2009 so I was so I was it was a time between I'd finished college mm-hmm. so I took a year out before going to university so I for my my recovery time was in hospital I was in hospital for up to 3 weeks then I was on bed rest for about about a month roughly mm-hmm. and then I was able to start being a bit more active but slowly but surely and then I um, did a short course during that time just to keep myself occupied mm-hmm. so I'll say about to start doing birth education again was about say four months mm-hmm. but then to go back into full-time education again to university it took me a whole year before I uh, started again so I made sure that I got the rest which was required to make sure because obviously your brain is a mm-hmm. it takes sometimes it's a bit longer to heal so I made sure I'd rest and not rushed Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for those of us listening and we're not really sure how the UK educational system works, so college, university, please take us through yeah. that. Because I know there are places where they use that either interchangeably or they yes. say a college is a is a, a department or a school that deals with yeah. you know, like mathematics or college yeah. of mathematics or college of medicine. So if you could yes. just do that for us. So from so you start at primary school, which is from four, four five years old to, to 11, mm-hmm. the primary school. And then secondary school, you'll be from 11 to 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And then from 16, you um, you can go to do a college course. It could be some be two years, some be three years. Mm-hmm. So that's say, say 16 to 19 mm-hmm. in terms of A-levels and BTEC national which gives you the qualification to go to university and from university you're an adult so you could be from either 18, 19 if it depends how long your course is my course was three years mm-hmm. so I was so I went to university when I was 19 and I came out so I went to university in 2010 mm-hmm. and I came out in 2013 so it breaks down to it depends on what course you do it depends mm-hmm. on the length but that's on average two three years in college three years at least in university depending on what course you do because there's many different courses they could be sports psychology medicine mm-hmm. um, tourism there's many different courses you can do and specialize in mm-hmm. um, and then when you finish um, university and started looking for a job was your diagnosis something that you had at the forefront or it was just something at the background um, and did you feel that do you need to disclose in the beginning or not at, at the time I was because I had moved away from home I, I was more independent mm-hmm. so I became much more comfortable talking about epilepsy and many people aware so it was in the forefront, but at the same time, was in the, it was in the background because I had, um, how can I put it? It was, it was in the forefront. I was, I was always open about it. So mm-hmm. I became, because I was with new 
friends I had to be open and educate mm-hmm. them. You know, I had epilepsy, so I was highly open about it. And with when I applied for jobs, I've always put it on the application form. I have epilepsy. And I, it has a so thankfully since then the jobs that I had before mm-hmm. they've all um, accepted it and it was fine with it. Oh that's that's nice because I know a lot of employers in many places yeah. see that as a hindrance. So it's good you had that. Yeah, I was always, yeah, I was always open about it and I explained about it because they, they asked the questions could you explain a bit more about it because luckily for me the employees I had they all knew about epilepsy or they had a friend or family so I think I got a bit lucky in the time that they had some some form of education on epilepsy which had helped me that's good and we're glad you got uh, people who had um background knowledge on on what that is and how to be of support because a lot of people lack that and that just spirals down into what I was trying to mention with regards to the social issues that people living with epilepsy go through. Okay, Um, your advocacy work, I know you mentioned um, that you participate in some marathons. Any other advocacy work that you do? So I am a media volunteer for um, Epilepsy Action. So mm-hmm. when there's opportunities to share my story mm-hmm. and do like radio interviews, television interviews, newspaper articles, mm-hmm. I um, get required to or get asked if there's opportunity here, would I be interested in doing it? And over the year, last few years, I've done quite a few major um, interviews where there was a, um, a project on epilepsy and, and, and employment mm-hmm. and I did an interview on Sky Sports News, mm-hmm. Sky News, um, ITV, mm-hmm. uh, BBC Radio, Talk Sport, BBC Radio and then a few of those. So I was able, there was a period where I did quite a few mm-hmm. on um, epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So raising awareness to about my story, how great having support is from your employees, and how important it is for ed- education on on um, epilepsy is, is important because mm-hmm. how complex our condition is. Mm-hmm. Not all ep- people's epilepsies are the same. Mm-hmm. So we, we may go through similar experiences, but it's not all the same. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. Um, and then, out of curiosity, have you had any uh, seizures in the workplace or? Yeah. In, so my my previous employees, Watford Football Club, I put out because they they are fantastic. They made my confidence through the roof. They had a care plan for me. I did have a few seizures um, working for them, and they um, have like support network they'll have a have a physio check me out they will um get get have a organized a taxi for me to get taken home mm-hmm. and they'll give me a few days off to rest and recover and i'll come back into work so I, there was a process in place for me to um for making me feel safe at work mm-hmm. and comfortable 
and also what was great one because i had a lot of confidence at the, at the beginning when i first joined the my employees i did a presentation mm-hmm. on my on epilepsy and my epilepsy mm-hmm. so they kind of understand what to look for for my epilepsy because everyone's different what mm-hmm. i will do and education and awareness for them to learn about epilepsy in general Oh, that that's good. I think all other workplaces need to copy that um, and have that as a as an opening. And I like the way you said that it's having that boosted your confidence because a lot of time, um, as people living with epilepsy, we underperform because um, our confidence and our esteem is way down there. And so when we have um, spaces where our confidence is elevated. We we shine even more. So uh, I'm glad that you had that. And so for anyone listening and uh, they get into a workspace that's also welcoming, uh, what sort of things would you ask them to put in their quote-unquote presentation uh, if they're sharing about themselves and uh, their, their, their type of epilepsy and the type of care they want? I would um, suggest to start about what epilepsy is so you you give a brief information and then talk about your epilepsy so what type of seizures you have mm-hmm. um what's the first aid treatment just required um what what to do and what not and what not to do because there's a lot of sorry to, i might be going to be a tangent here but there's a lot of misconceptions on how first aid is treated because I have known there's probably a bit of cultural or a lot of misconceptions that are don't pour wooden spoof in their in their mouth. Yes. Do, do not do that. <laughs> I still don't understand where that came from, but as you, you a spoon relate, or a wooden. Yeah, um, wooden a spoon wooden, in your mouth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's why? Where does it come from? But that goes back to the whole um, aspect of education because. There wasn't much education back then, so they were told what to do from what they were told previously or what they thought was best. So they thought they were helping because they thought they were helping, but they didn't know it was a it was a wrong thing I to do. Think, I think from some people I've talked to, they say it's because some people bite their tongue and so they yeah. keep placing the wooden thing, whatever it is, a spoon or a wood, a piece of wood. Yeah. Yeah, prevent them. And also, they they feel that there another misconception, another a lie or a myth you can say about swallowing tongue. Yeah. So they they think it's to prevent them from swallowing the tongue. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> it's a, there's a lot of a lot of myths and mysteries of what to do. Yeah. But that that'll be another important thing to do is how to treat the seizure because everyone sees it different because you've got the tonic clonic seizures and then you've got the focal seizures etc etc as many different types of seizures that has that can occur so it is a complex thing so it's also important to let them know what to look for what signs and symptoms mm-hmm. because not many people have auras some people just drop straight into a, into a seizure mm-hmm. like me thankfully i have aura so i know when a seizure is coming along so i could alert someone try and sit down put myself somewhere safe if I'm by myself etc mm-hmm. etc et so it's so important to put the signs and symptoms to look out for okay. 
so people can be aware of what, what's going on and then they know that you cover what and then leading to first aid treatment and I also I know frequency of seizures is a hard one to tally because some people go through good phases where it happens once every three months or once ever so often some may have a bit more some just once in a while so you can put seizure frequencies I, I, it depends how comfortable you feel mm-hmm. but it's um it's also good to know because sometimes if that's your first seizure in a long time mm-hmm. then something could be wrong like you could be ill or so it's, it's, a, it's a sign and symptom or indication or something and I think also um, it, mentioning triggers would be good also. Um, yeah, triggers yeah. would be good as well because you some people like their their mouth start drooling or start yapping, they start stiffing on one side. Mm-hmm. And at a point, if I'm not if they're not able to communicate, at least they can look out for something that your body's doing, jerking, for example. Mm-hmm. So they at least they are aware now. Oh, the person's going into a seizure. Let's mm-hmm. clear the area. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure they're safe, protect their head, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to put into the presentation as well. But it's also down to yourself how comfortable you feel because mm-hmm. I know everyone is different. But that's what I would do personally. I would just go go straight in, put all the information out because you're helping others to help yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If they're not aware of it, then they can't help you. Then you could be at risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's your aura? What, what do you do? You smell or feel something? For my aura, I get um a swirly rainbow light in my eye. Oh. So, I from my education of knowing where the seizures start, because seizures start in the occipital lobe, mm-hmm. so that's why I get the rainbow swirly eye. So, swirly, swirly sign in my eye, and then I don't feel a bit lightheaded or a bit off, and then that's how I know when I'm going to seizure. Then, after that, I could start drooling. Um, that's the early signs. I could my mouth could start yapping, or so that's my early signs. That's what I remember, and from what people have told me. So, at least I know that the, the signal of the swirly rainbow, which is the first, first sign. So at least I know I could stop, pause, try and sit down, alert someone who's around me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Uh, I I sometimes find it interesting listening to different people, Zara. Um, uh, I've had people say they smell something. There are yeah. people who smell metal, and they'll be very specific about. And I'm like, how do you even know how that piece of metal smells? So yeah, like. I know it's very crazy. What's, yeah. what's your auras? For me, it's a head, and it's just a particular point in my head. It's just a. It's not really a headache. It's not a migraine. It's it's just a pain. Tension. Yeah. So it's. I just feel that, and I know. Oh, okay. I need to situate myself somewhere. Um. And and sometimes if it's just going to pass that meaning I will get a full-blown seizure or just twitch and I'm left-handed I don't know why my li- my right hand has never twitched but my mm-hmm. left hand will start twitching so my left hand and the other time my head used to twitch but my head um, I think retired 
So my 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 left hand and and the the shafting are the ones that make me know. Okay, I need to situate myself because something might happen. Yeah. It's a bit different because, like you said, everyone's uh, auras and symptoms, symptoms very varies and is different. Mm, mm, mm. But it all leads down to the same thing. Yes, yes, we are, <laughs> we are all going to the same place. <laughs> but it's it's also interesting how the body and the different senses work. So for some people, it would be a sight issue, a smell issue. Um, maybe the mouth and, and the drooling. The, the, so it's it just, it's. I, I think it's fascinating as time. Very fascinating. It goes to show how powerful the brain can be. Yes, 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 yeah. Um, At least we know we've got one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 yeah. Um, and when you're talking about um, myths, um, I thought about an additional one which uh, is, is more more likely to be grouped under the superstitious type where um and this is connected to just how our body works there are people who will pass urine when they are having a seizure yeah. and i've heard that uh, some people say if you want to jump so if you're doing first aid and you have to go to the other side of the person's body that yeah. if it jumps over the urine the chances are that you will start getting seizures. And so for people, they'll say, if you want to, you know, like, let's say you want to loosen their, their clothes because you're helping them with first aid or you want to remove their shoe, that you yeah. go all around the body so that you don't get to jump over the urine. Because if you jumped over the urine, you're, you're most likely to be the next person people will be doing first aid on. So the, the various... <laughs> I never heard that word, but... There's so many myths and stories about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why we need to constantly be sharing information, constantly uh, be, and making sure the information is correct because there's definitely information out there, uh, but unfortunately, sometimes it's not the correct type of information. And people get harmed or hurt in the process because, yeah. It's true because it's like a lot of people believe okay i'm i'm not being judgmental but i've like her stories it doesn't work with everyone so people with different cultures if you drink this medicine or if you drink this certain say have a certain tea or a certain kind of thing it can help cure it mm. but if you put it down to the bottom of it we're all different and there's no no cure for it it's getting just living with it and getting the right balance or in life and then hopefully the best works out that's my personal opinion but obviously i know everyone else thinks different for some people say marijuana helps uh, and not and not for everyone it, it helps so i have many times i've been told oh yeah go and have some marijuana <laughs> i think i don't know if it's, if it's a cultural thing but i've always heard it from like some <laughs> family member or someone yeah. of color said, yeah, do you know that that's good for the brain? And I'm like, yeah. really? Are you are you a medical are you a medical doctor <laughs> who who's prescribed and tried it and did yeah. so many trials yeah. of it? No, you're not. You're just someone else who's just selling the same thing that yeah. they've heard. Or yeah. I know someone who's had this and it did this, mm. but it doesn't mean it works for me. Yeah, yeah, and, and so that's. That is so common, that phrase you've used, that I know someone who's had yeah. it. 
because people are now trying to pull because there isn't much awareness being done so everyone is trying to pull from everywhere and everywhere uh, so I have a TED talk and one of the comments on the TED talk has been the marijuana someone asking has she tried this so, so I've had that before but then also the whole thing of Oh, I have had this somewhere and it worked for someone so you should do this because if it works there are chances that it will work for you so we need to keep doing the awareness yeah yeah exactly yeah. everyone but, we're, all, we're all individ- different individuals at the end of the day yeah yeah but then also on the flip side and just going back to um, what you're saying earlier about um, and what we were talking about race it's still the same notions we've talked about it from a superstitious angle but it's still the same almost the same notions or thought process that have been applied that if or uh, if you see this happening to a person of color chances are they have already quote unquote taken that marijuana that people are proposing yeah. should take in the first place and so um less treated like someone who's going through something but someone who's unfortunately seen as a criminal or judge based on the yeah stereotypes of their skin color exactly and and that also didn't help me because it made me very stressed because mm. i've already been targeted as a as a black person while growing mm. up and stress is not good for me because i'm dealing with stress of being having epilepsy now i'm dealing with stress of being a black person mm. it, that doesn't help my life because i'm walking on the street that i'm going to be targeted with a black person i'm not going to get help with my epilepsy if i have a seizure because i'm going to get accused and i might get arrested as mm. you can see it happens in england it happens in america mm. happens i'm sure it happens in different parts of the world too mm. but there's many black people that are probably going through the similar thing it's not, i'm not the only one that's gone through it yeah, and yeah. It's, it's, it's hard because it's very stressful especially me growing up as young i could like, remember one time mm-hmm. i um, was going to college mm-hmm. i crossed on the road Oh, I got stopped in search. Oh, you're crossing the road uh, suspiciously. Mm. And I was so worked up and angry because I wanted to go for my lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm right outside my college and I'm getting stopped in search. And I was like, are you you're just targeting me? I'm going to college. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm stressed out. Mm. And then later on that day, I had a seizure because I was really stressed and annoyed and worked up. But mm. They're not gonna believe believe me. They're gonna think, oh, okay, yeah, he's just another black man. Yeah. Which is yeah. literally what it is, and it's, it's it was it is very difficult. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, you know, I wanna start a whole demonstration here right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is, and being having this having having a condition and being stereotyped mm. and when the two the two signs of it for example yes at times we can look like we are we are under the influence of something because of the heavy medication we've got or we're tired from a seizure yes i understand that but that doesn't mean we are taking it there's other factors to to it there's many there's a million things going around the world yeah. as to why something can happen so it's as, as you say, it, it feels like it's it's a cycle, and and one thing is leading to another. And even if we really worked hard at stopping one thing, this other thing still exists. So you know, you, 
we're telling people living with epilepsy that oh you need to adhere to your medication and your treatment and all that and that means that you're taking medication that's making you drowsy and um and spaced out at times and yeah. then you still want to be an active member of society and so you go on doing everyday things yeah. but then just the mere fact of you doing everyday things based on the color of your skin then it puts you into this other space where you're more likely to triggered get stressed get a seizure and then that unfortunately confirms a bias or yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> it is it's very it's very hard and difficult and obviously i grew up in uh, in south london mm-hmm. and there's many stories about South London's a bad place we're po- highly popular black people and there's a lot of incidents goes on and we're easily targeted so but I'm sure it must happen in different areas of the, of, mm. of the world too if, mm. if there's more black people out there who's gone through those similar things it'd be a good thing to come out and talk about it and have a big open conversation about it yeah 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 and and thanks for opening this conversation for us because I think um unfortunately a lot of epilepsy conversations and that's why I dedicated this series to talking to Africans and people of color and just specifically men because we rarely hear a lot of these narratives and sometimes unfortunately because we don't hear things we assume that they don't happen but things are happening and so we need to have a lot more conversations and hopefully those conversations will lead to policy or changes even just in thought that's good enough to start the process exactly this is just um actually is why I said we said I'm always open about my experience what I've gone mm-hmm. through and how it's affected me and it's important because it can make changes it can make people judge me different this is why epilepsy awareness is major because some as we always said some of the uh, um, signs we show yes mm-hmm. it does show like we're drunk it does show like we're under influence but it does not mean that we are we are mm, mm, mm. I'm trying to pull myself from yeah. <laughs> all that are like get back to the program I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep my cool my wordings as well I don't want to <laughs> but it's it's the reality of life that we go through or I, that I've gone through I'm sure many of the other people have gone through as well and, and so how I know you mentioned um, your medication and your um, exercising and all those things uh, are there other ways that and now because now we're looking at it as a dual thing um, color and the issues that people of color go through and then the diagnosis um, are there does it um, Sorry, my mind is still back there and I'm trying to come back. Um, do you feel the, there's enough light being shined or would there be suggestions um, of what should be done, if anything should be done from existing organizations? Um, I'm still, as you know. I think, I think there's a lot more work to be done. There's a lot more areas to lot more corners to get to i think there's a lot of people out there with epilepsy who are not as confident so we need more people with voices to come out and talk even in different areas about different subjects 
and um, even a more multicultural as well to show not just certain people have it yes mm-hmm. black people have it mm-hmm. um, Caucasian people have it mm-hmm. Asians all, mm-hmm. all the communities come together and talk because say yes I have epilepsy mm-hmm. but um, not just certain kinds of people epilepsy we're all different and we have it in different ways so I mm-hmm. think we need to type, need more um, more awareness needs to be raised and get mm-hmm. more together and even there's like there's people in different in different sectors like who've got careers come out and talk because this could encourage the future generation because where I see it I didn't have that anyone above me to look up to to help mm-hmm. me I kind of did it myself I had the support mm-hmm. network mm-hmm. now I talk to the younger generation for people mm-hmm. with epilepsy and I said yes you can do it if you get this right Mm-hmm. then you could potentially get that side right because it's not just the medications obviously it's the work it's a life balance as well so if mm-hmm. you get the balance right then you could move forward so and also raising awareness educating um, going into different industries different companies mm-hmm. even different events and, and just mm-hmm. talk about epilepsy and get people talking about it and engaging about it that's the first sign of awareness I think more and more people talk, more and more conversations, mm-hmm. encourage and support people with epilepsy and the ones who are quiet to try and get them to feel comfortable and feel safe and come to a safe place together, which I think will be the good, good start. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as you're talking about the different demographics that exist across the globe and having voices come up from all those demographics. I went back to a show that I had um, with someone from, I hosted someone from Canada, but he's originally from um, Jamaica. And he was talking about how, we were talking more about the mental health angle of things. And he was talking about the manifestation of mental ill health among, um, especially people who are Afro-descendants, that it's very different from the textbook manifestations that are usually shared. And and as you were talking, I, I thought about that in the terms that when we listen or hear the textbook explanations of what epilepsy is and the types of treatments that need to be given, we hear it just as a generic thing. But when we have different voices, then we get to understand all the different types of epilepsies and the different ways they manifest and even the social issues. So for a lot of people, getting employment might be an issue, but you've shown that, oh, you can actually uh, be in a, feel safe and confident in a workplace. But then there are other areas like race that we never really think about. And so the more voices we have, that we, we, we're able to get a bigger and fuller picture of what yes. is happening and, and the manifestation for different groups. Exactly. That's what we need. Different voices different for different groups and get the, get the conversations going. And that will be a great thing because, as you said, also it's a, it's another interesting thing i i'm not a, a scientist but like another um, it affects us in different ways even the medication we take some of the side effects could be come across even worse mm. that's like another thing with with me like my my medication is um makes me agitated and i could become angry very angry easily mm-hmm. and then 
there you go, another stereotype, or he's just another angry black person. So to go back to the racial culture, it just came to my head, but I was talking about um, the, the, the side effects, and then you got the, the judgmental side of it. So stereotype of people, so side effects need to be raised as well. Mm. And more and more conversation and more and more talks about it will be great. And mm. what to look out for rather than just say, oh, is this a person having a seizure? There's more to it than just just the seizure, just the seizures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if everyone's side effects and everyone's yeah, side effects of medication or side effects to epilepsy is different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, more more like it's person. It's almost like it's tailor-made. I don't know if that would be the right Yeah, it's it's, it's like like a suit. It's like a suit. You go into a suit shop, you get your tailor-made suit, which is just for you. That's everyone's epilepsy is different. Everyone's individualized. It's not one hat fits all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's where where also where education comes into it as well. Because when you ask someone about epilepsy, the first thing they say, oh, you can't... um, watch flashing lights the flashing lights affect you i'm like it's a small percentage of people who have photosensitive of epilepsy mm-hmm. it's more people who have many different kinds of epilepsy mm-hmm. their triggers are different like stress dehydration too hot too cold yeah. loud music etc etc so there's many different it's not just the flashing lights yeah 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 it's true ah yeah, yeah, because I, I now when you mentioned that, I thought about all the things I was told I could not do because I have epilepsy, and yeah. I've been able to do a lot of those things. But you know, it's just the same thing we're saying that it's not one size fits all. So for some people, some things actually do affect them, but for yeah. some people, those things don't affect them. But there are other things that really affect them. Um, yeah. The last guy I talked to, um, his, his show is already up, he's from Zambia. And he said initially the default ringtone for the iPhone <laughs> would, would, would trigger him. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I just uploaded that episode, he's from Zambia. And, and so he says initially when he hears that tone, it will just, yeah, it do him a number and he'll have a seizure. And so, um, who'd have thought? So... Wow, that's, that's, that's something new. I never heard that one before, but as, you, as it proves the point, everyone's affected differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So, <clears throat> we'll go to the quick fire section and um, I'll ask you four random questions and then... Um, first answer that comes to mind share that and then you'll ask me one question and we'll be done with the show so are you ready (laughs) okay if you had all the money in the world what would you do for epilepsy i would build an epilepsy hub where the loads of res- more research is done for epilepsy and it's a center to get people connected all around the world talking about epilepsy. So we have, we're connected in different areas of the world because we, then we can know what's going on in America, what's going on in China, um, Australia. That would be one thing I would do. And also if I did have the money, 
I wish I could um, make epilepsy be non-existent. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I know that I know that I know that's that's the biggest wishful. But it will be to raise awareness and education of it. So that will be my thing, big builder hub, which is for education, awareness of epilepsy, and make everyone feel a safe space and know and get everyone around the world connected. If you were to work with three people or three organizations from anywhere in the world to make that have a reality, who would that be or what organizations would those be? One organizations that had to make a reality. Yeah. Or people, personalities. You're thinking too much. It's I will guess so I'll get I'll get a rich football club owner. Who yeah. can invest money? Who can invest money into it? <laughs> That's one. Two more people. Uh, two. Uh, Ferrari. Cause I know they got they got loads of money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All the cars they sell. <laughs> and four and three, and three Arsenal football club because I support them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you on the last one. Yes. <laughs> if we can have a hub and I was trying to think of. Of, I was trying to think of. Money, yeah. Um, what I'm attracted to, what what I like, and then Arsenal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I consign I consign this. <laughs> Anyone who works for Arsenal are listening. Yeah. Come come reach out for us. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number three. If you could go back to when you were seven years old and had your very first seizure, what words of advice would you give your seven-year-old self? I would say to my seven-year-old self, it's it can't be as but it's not as bad as as you think it is. It can be maintained and works with with the right support and connection, and you looking after your life in the best way as possible with the right balance and you can still be successful in life and not unsuccessful so you can still do things that you can do and one last bit focus on what you can do rather than what you can't do mm. and be and you have a more positive outlook in life you've answered the, the fourth question because that was you know what was the advice to anyone listening but that's yeah yeah focus on what you can do yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you gotta be positive. That was that's what I did because instead of focusing on what you can't do, you can't drive, you can't do this, you can't do that, you're gonna mm. feel slumped. So what can I do? I'm gonna make that the best thing possible, I'm gonna make that my strength. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's what you can you gotta be turn turn the negative into a positive. Okay. Okay. Now you asked me a question. What would you would you do anything different? from when you got diagnosed mm-hmm. of, of epilepsy to what you know now so you probably more edu- more educated about epilepsy now compared to then would you do anything different um i think i think i was too hard on myself um because I started having seizures in my late teenage years and so I felt like I missed out on a lot of things and and um, 
and so I was very hard on myself. I was really, really hard on myself. And I had this utopic idea of what healing would look like. And, and I really strive for a sort of perfection or healing or, yeah, so a, a very unrealistic way of living. Uh, yeah, so I think I was hard on myself and I think I shouldn't have been hard on myself. So, yeah. So it's, 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 I guess it's the passion in you to want to do or be successful or do something so you use more hard on yourself because you want to do things. Is that like a frustration? Yeah, yes, yes. And then you put so much energy and and, so, and, and as you said, there's sometimes we, we don't have seizures for such a long time and we're like, good, I've achieved it. And yeah. then you're there and you're taking all these events and activities and then it all comes crashing down and yeah. that fall is is really 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 bad it's yeah you feel like you're on cloud nine and all of a sudden bang yeah 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 and 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 it took me forever to realize that wait the seizure is less than 10 minutes and even going through the the sort of recovery and coming back to but the mental process of you know getting back on my feet and 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 saying okay let's start doing things again that took forever that always took forever and and i was so hard on myself i yeah yeah so i can relate to that yeah okay yeah yeah no you want to say something yeah so i can can relate to that because like at times um, when after I go through a good patch and I have a seizure I, I am really low so my mood does come low and I'm like I feel down again because mm. I'm feeling so good but I can relate to that one there 100% I think many others out there can as well yeah 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 um, you're yeah. doing everything right you can you feel fine and then bang boom. yes Yes, yes, and and they're like, I've been here. I've, I I feel I've paid all my dues. Like even dues I don't think I'm supposed to be paid. I think I've paid it. So I don't see why we are here yet, yet again. So um, yeah, but but with growth and maturity and knowledge and wisdom, you realize that that's just part of life. And even if you don't have epilepsy, um you have good high moments and then um, life just happens and you have um, low moments and that's I think how life balances itself out and so... exactly sometimes you just go you just go roll the punches take yes. the bumps and bruises yeah yeah it makes us stronger it builds resilience it builds character yes 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 uh, although sometimes we wish all those things were handed <laughs> in a gently <laughs> way like <laughs> exactly yeah yeah okay um that's all for today's show thank you very much for being here for sharing your journey uh for for, yeah sharing some myths and even some of the struggles um if you have any public facing events or uh, social media networks um please share yes um i've got um a you can follow me on twitter Mm -hmm. which is Big Dan underscore 1989. Mm-hmm. So Big Dan 1989, or just Google Daniel Bedeau, 
Nathaniel B-E-D-E-A-U and you can find my Twitter page and my interviews I've done and I've also have a Instagram page that I um, use to um, promote awareness of epilepsy and the page is called is that you looking for your Instagram? <laughs> I've, I've, I've got bad memory. It's Dan <laughs> underscore runs, R-U-N-S mm-hmm. underscore epilepsy 2019. So uh, you can reach out to me, ask questions. Mm-hmm. And you can, if anyone wants to do um, build a collaboration, do something together, mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to reach out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Including Arsenal. <laughs> Arsenal, Thierry, are you listening to this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thank you very much for um, your time and for everything. And we'll definitely look forward to seeing what events and activities that you're planning. Yes. In yeah. so in September, in September this year, I'm gonna be running the Great North Run, running, running, raising awareness for epilepsy action okay and how many kilometers are you doing that's that's um half a marathon so that is 13 miles mm-hmm. oh you use miles in london I, I i don't know why i thought you'd do the metric system no we um we keep it it keeps it easier using miles oh I don't know why I thought you'd do metric system. And then do you do degrees or Fahrenheit? We do degrees. uh, Degrees. And yeah, so we do degrees. But everyone's different. Some people use Fahrenheit. Some people use degrees. But Uh, we usually use degrees. So. Okay. Okay. We digress. So So September, um, you're doing a marathon and you've given us your Twitter and Instagram page and I hope people will reach out. But uh, keep being an inspiration, keep doing what you're doing and I know you and I will keep um, the conversations going. Definitely, we'll keep in contact and we'll collaborate again. Thank you for having me. It's really good having this talk with you and we could relate onto many, many similar experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Including Arsenal. Okay. Arsenal <laughs> way too many that's times. What connected, that's what girls connected together. <laughs> <laughs> if we win the league we'll have a Zoom party. <laughs> Someone to sponsor us to watch the Arsenal game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do a live watch. <laughs> yes, for epilepsy. We need to, yes, we'll get back to no, you. We could do something like that. I'm sure there's many other Arsenal fans with epilepsy out there who will get connected. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'll put that on the show notes. Okay, we need to close the show for real, for real now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, have a lovely evening. Thank you. you have a good day and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. First of all, I know Dan and I went a little overboard when we started speaking about Arsenal, but I hope that just goes to show how much we love that team. And I hope someone from Arsenal gets to listen to the show and reaches out to us. Hashtag someone send this to Arsenal. Hashtag someone connect us with Arsenal. But until Arsenal reaches out to us, I would like to thank 
Epilepsy Canada for making this seven-part series possible. They are a Canadian-based nonprofit that supports uh, research into different aspects of epilepsy, and you can check out their work on epilepsy.ca. That is www.epilepsy.ca. Also, thank you, Epilepsy Action, for linking me up with Dan. And thanks to you, Dan, for sharing your story, sharing your journey, and also showing us how the workplace can be a safe space for those of us living with epilepsy. To everyone else, thank you for being with us from episode one of this seven-part series. We have four more episodes to go, and I hope you get to learn more from the seven other the, the four other guests that I have lined up. And I also hope that you get to share this shows with people living with epilepsy, people who are feeling alone, people who are trying to understand what's going on with them and how they can and, and wondering if they can be productive members of society and as Dan has shown, yes it is possible to do what you're passionate about even when you have epilepsy. So I hope that you are able to go out there and follow your dreams, follow your passion and I look forward to seeing you next week when I have yet another guest. Until next time, sending so much love and light to you. Sitawa.